and welcome to Homeschoolhood, the show and community where we talk about all things education and parenthood and the beautiful mess where they intersect, homeschool. I'm Erica Ladd, former public school teacher and parent turned homeschool mom to my two elementary age daughters. I never thought we would homeschool, but we accidentally fell in love with it this past year and haven't looked back. Whether you homeschool or not, my hope is that you find encouragement, practical ideas, and some real talk about raising and educating tiny humans here on Homeschoolhood. Hello, welcome back. This episode, I want to give a little disclaimer. This episode is definitely geared towards the homeschoolers that are maybe new to the game. I'm still fairly new myself, but trying to pass on some tips and tricks. Um, or those that have maybe decided to homeschool but are now overwhelmed. I know with the state of the world and the pandemic that a lot more people than ever are opting to homeschool for various reasons. And so if you find yourself brand new to this or overwhelmed by all the curriculum choices, this episode is for you. Um, This is going to be all about curriculum. I'm not going to get super specific on curriculums that I use in this podcast episode that actually I do a lot with that over on Instagram. So make sure you're following me over there. I am at lad Erica, L-A-D-D-E-R-I-C-A. And I'll be detailing what I'm using. I'm going to be doing lots of video flip throughs and more detailed reviews, especially this week as this episode comes out and just chatting more about specific curriculum and resources over there and my thoughts on those, if that's what you're looking for. But these are going to be more Um, some general guiding principles that I've found helpful in choosing and using a homeschool curriculum and like where to even get started. So I have three main things that I want you to think about and we're going to talk about those in details as you are choosing a curriculum and figuring out how to implement it in your homeschool. Okay, so first of all, if you're just new to the game, get your guardrails in place. Okay, and so what I mean by that is, first of all, to obviously find out your state requirements. They actually vary quite a bit from state to state in terms of what you need to do to legally homeschool, um, what subjects need to be taught, what's going to be maybe tested or um, expected to be putting together for a portfolio for evidence of learning. So th- that's that's what you where you need to start because that's what you're legally obligated to do. So. Find out your state requirements and then file all the necessary paperwork, but also consider those requirements, especially when thinking about choosing a curriculum and how you're going to be expected to put things together and what curriculums, depending on your um, state requirements, might lend themselves to what you're required to do, if that makes sense. I'm talking in vague terms because it's very, very different from state to state. So A real simple way uh, to check that out is you can check out hslda.org. That's the Homeschool Legal Defense Association. They just have a lot of really good free information. I don't know. I think they get a little militant about homeschooling sometimes, but they do have very accurate information um, on the website about different states' requirements and what are some, you know, it breaks it down very nicely for you. You can also just Google requirements, which I definitely did um, in in your state. And then you want to decide from there on kind of your broader benchmarks and goals, what subjects you're going to teach, what subjects you're required to teach, um, how you want to go about that. You can use state standards and common core standards. I definitely do reference those and make sure I'm kind of hitting just in general terms because you never know, you know, when they might enter or if they may re-enter the school system. 
um, keeping them kind of on grade level with that. But then also another resource that I love is a book called Home Learning Year by Year by Rebecca Rupp. And that is just like the homeschoolers Bible. It kind of tells you what each year you can kind of expect from them developmentally and where they would be at and what are some kind of good goals to have in mind for by the end of the year. And then those things are going to guide your curriculum choices. So those are the kind of the obvious, right? Find out your state requirements, make sure you're following those, and then decide on your benchmarks and goals from there. And that can be as simple as a list that you write down. You don't need to like, you know, put them in a spreadsheet unless spreadsheets are your thing. In that case, have at it. Okay, the second most important thing, and this is multifaceted, obviously, is to decide what matters to you. Okay, so this is a little bit of a lazy genius principle. If you guys don't listen to Kendra Adachi over at The Lazy Genius, you need to. Her book, The Lazy Genius Way, is brilliant, and she has all of these like hacks, for lack of a better term, to be lazy about the things. No, be a genius about the things that matter and lazy about the things that don't. Sorry, Kendra, I'm butchering your tagline, but go check her out. But she has this principle that she applies to things is like the first thing you need to do is decide what matters. Okay. So think about in terms of homeschooling, what is your overall education philosophy, educational philosophy? You may not know. You may need to look up some, but are you a more Montessori styled? Are you more Charlotte Mason styled? Are you a more traditional approach? What what approach? Start researching, start reading about some um, and see what, what seems to speak to you, what feels like a fit for your family. And again, like I said, that may come out of some research. Okay, a couple books that I highly recommend for this. Number one, every new homeschooler needs to read this book. In fact, I feel like I could reread it every year. It is by Julie Bogart and it is The Brave Learner. It gives such an amazing overall picture of what homeschool can be, but also very realistic, how you work it into your lifestyle, all the different things to think about, but just in a very approachable, very encouraging way. I feel like everybody needs to read that book. The other book that I recommend, and I didn't agree with everything in this book, but it gave a very good overall um, view of kind of the approaches to education, both in the traditional education system, as well as in the homeschool world, because you'll find they're kind of two different worlds. Um, But it's called The Call of the Wild and Free, Reclaiming the Wonder in Your Child's Education, A New Way to Homeschool by Ainsley Arment. And she has a whole wild and free community. Some things really resonate me with me, some don't, but I found that book super helpful to get my head around like, okay, where am I headed with this whole thing? So start doing some research, see what approaches really speak to you. And then remember, you don't need to be a hardliner for any approach. You can take what works for you and spit out the rest. Like you do not have to take anything in and subscribe to it wholeheartedly and not leave any room. I mean, I consider myself a very eclectic homeschooler. I don't subscribe to any one philosophy, but I think that there are benefits to a lot of them. And so we incorporate those elements that work for us and that is okay. And that is the beauty of homeschool. So I'm giving you that permission right now. Um, The other thing, when you start to look at specific materials and curricula, think about the perspective of that material. Um, think about who wrote it, what research it's based on, dig dig in a little bit. Just because something is popular doesn't mean it's necessarily effective or it could be, but it doesn't align with your beliefs and your values. I will say I, 
I consider myself a Christian. Um, I am teaching my girls, you know, in that faith, but I tend to choose secular curricula because I find a lot of the Christian homeschool curriculum in particular for me can be very problematic, <laughs> both in terms of things with with my faith and how I want to teach that and present that to the girls, but also in terms of some more cultural things that are just ingrained and not necessarily how I want to approach science and history. So I tend to lean more towards secular curricula that I can also, I can always add in the faith component. And I think even if you are a person of faith and you want to make that a part of your homeschool, I think that that approach tends to be maybe less editing on your part, less you know, trying to find the exact fit and knowing that you can start at this base level and then add to or subtract what does not fit. Another thing to consider would be cost, obviously. They, the cost of different curricula range very widely. Um, and so you have to be thinking about that. We set a budget now, um, and I, I can talk some more about that, but we actually have money set aside each month that like that is just for really all things girls. So that goes towards their gymnastics and like clothing and stuff and any homeschool things. And since I'm the one who kind of takes care of all that, that budget gets transferred over to me. So it's a little easier way to track because let me just tell you, you can get it carried away with spending real quickly because there's all the things and all the books and there's a tendency to feel like your kids need it all, but pump the brakes a little bit. There's also a lot of very low cost or free resources even especially that are like PDFs and printables just based on, you know, just other homeschool moms who've put out some great things, some great things on Teachers Pay Teachers, which is a site that teachers can create materials for their classroom and then they can also share them. So like technology has just changed the game quite a bit where you don't have to just order, you know, physical product from some somewhat antiquated homeschool company, you can actually get very modern resources, fairly inexpensively print them at home or have them printed. So just be, or, or a lot of things you can just use digitally, right? In PDF form. So keep that in mind and don't rule any of that out. The other thing I would, in deciding what matters to you, you really need to consider you and your kids. Like what does your day-to-day -day look like? How many kids do you have? Do you have new baby around that's going to make things difficult? Are you working a part-time job still or a full-time job? Like what can you realistically implement and teach consistently and be really real with yourself about that? Also know your child's learning style. Do a little research into that. Are they kind of a visual learner? Do they love tactile physical things? Are they the kind of kid who just loves books and worksheets and like bookwork? I have one of those. Um, know kind of what, what style is going to appeal to them. And then take a look at your strengths and weaknesses and areas of interest. Um, for homeschool to work, you have to work with what you've been given, right? You need to work with what you are great at. You can outsource things that you are not so great at. Again, the beauty of technology, there are all kinds of apps and programs and classes even that you can sign them up for if it's an area that is just very difficult for you. So just be honest about your, you know, about all those things with yourself. Another thing to Keep in mind, this is a word of caution. I have found YouTube to be an incredible resource. In fact, I have learned a ton on YouTube, um, just like typing in different curricula or like, you know, language arts curriculum for third grade, just trying to see what's out there. But do keep in mind with a lot of that, that that's a starting place. Um, 
and that you need to do your own research beyond that and look into that curriculum further. And do know that a lot of homeschool YouTubers are paid from a company to endorse that curriculum. So take that with a grain of salt. It doesn't mean that some of those opinions are not their own, but just know that if somebody is on the payroll of a curriculum company, their view and their review might not be quite as honest or quite as um, revealing as somebody who's just reviewing it, you know, for the greater good. So just keep that in mind. I know that's hard because we we're good now at weaving in content as influencers, like into our, you know, day to day, but realize that 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 exists out there and, and pay attention to that. And just know that everything bright and shiny and new is not necessarily the greatest. That being said, the online space has been such a big support for me overall. And I've learned a ton and made some really great connections with some of you fellow homeschool moms. And so I think it's great and use it, but just use it wisely. Another big point to take into consideration and to remember is that curriculum is just a tool. It is not the be-all, end-all. You do not need to follow it to a T. Like, yes, you should know the programs that you've invested in and you should know how they work before you decide that they don't. You know what I'm saying? But you as their teacher, as their parent, your creativity, your connection with the kids and your knowledge and willingness to learn along with them is what's going to bring any curriculum to life. I think especially if you are not... If you do not have an educational background, you might not realize that like, you don't have to be afraid to piece it together. In fact, you most likely will need to. It's very uncommon for you to find an all-in-one curriculum that just, you know, a box set that works for all your kids, all the subjects and one-stop shop. It's just not very often that that happens. And, And really the beauty of homeschool is that you should be not so locked in to any one curriculum that you can't adapt and change with your kids' individual needs and interests. Not that you shouldn't stick with something for a while and see how it's working, but just remember to keep it, to hold it loosely and to keep it flexible because that is the beauty and kind of the whole point of homeschooling is to be able to adjust on the fly, give your kids what they need, give you what they need and be reflective. Also realize that teachers in traditional settings piece together things all of the time. They may have a core curriculum, but more often they're looking at a set of standards and, you know, um, benchmarks that they need to hit. And they're pulling all kinds of different resources to meet that. A game, a center activity, something from Teachers Pay Teachers. Yes, the core curriculum and books and resources, but any teacher pulls together all kinds of things to meet one goal because what works for one kid might not work for another. Or what on Tuesday doesn't, you know, doesn't drive the point home with your kid might work on Thursday. So just expect to do that and know that that's actually okay. You're not doing anything wrong. It's okay to skip an activity and, you know, supplement in a game that you think might work better for your kids. And in fact, that's what teachers are doing all the time, even in the classroom. We are very seldom handed, you know, a very prescriptive list like you must do this, 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 and this. It's more about different means to the same end. So keep that in mind. I actually am the prime example of this. When I first started homeschooling, I couldn't quite get my head around how this was going to work. Like, how am I going to take what what I know about a regular school day as a public school teacher and as a parent of public school kids and like 
I couldn't quite get my head around the unschooling, de-schooling aspect of it, that, that homeschool is not just recreating school at home. In fact, it doesn't work that way because home is not school and school is not home. And so you have to work within the parameters of what you have. So I actually built, uh, bought a very expensive curriculum that promised to be all of the subjects in one. It was the most money I've still spent on a curriculum and ended up realizing that it was completely not for us, completely didn't work for, you know, coming from a traditional public school setting to, to meet our needs where we were at. It wasn't at all my style. And I thought I had to, I think I thought I had to change my style a lot. Um, Even though school at home is different, it's, you still got to work, you got to go back to that point about knowing yourself and knowing your kids and working with your natural strengths and interests. And this curriculum was just far too granola for me. I'm not that kind of mom. I also live in the desert where it's hot a lot of the year. So there are times that we just can't be outside and it was very nature intensive and I love nature and we added in, but this was too much. And it very much was just a very different philosophy of teaching than I was trained in. And then that, that my kids were used to, you know, learning that way. So it just didn't work for us. And I, it took me a couple of weeks to feel okay with scrapping it all together. So just know that even like a teacher who should know what they're looking at when they open up a curriculum bought the wrong thing. And that also I don't, view it as a complete loss because I think that it it still helped me that first curriculum bundle I got really helped me get my head around what a homeschool day could look like, how it could be structured, how that even works, right? And so I still think it's a win, you know, and I figured out what I don't want. <laughs> so that was important. Um and I don't even want to, I mean it was Oak Meadow curriculum and some people love that and it's been around forever. It's very Waldorf inspired. I've mentioned it before. So I'm not knocking the curriculum. It just definitely wasn't for us. And I'm telling you these, these different resources very wildly. So it's okay to take a minute to figure out what's going to work from you, for you. So just do not be afraid to walk away from curriculum that's not working for whatever reason. You are going to have hits and misses I had them in the classroom setting. I have them in homeschool all the time. I'm reevaluating stuff every day and that's okay and normal. And it's not because you're doing anything wrong. So I just want to encourage you a little bit with that. So this is a quick one, but I just wanted to kind of give you those three guiding principles. Get your guardrails in place. Make sure you know your requirements, um, your legal P's and Q's, and then decide on kind of your bigger benchmarks and goals using standards, using books and other resources, decide what matters to you in terms of cost, in terms of perspective of your material, overall philosophy, dig into that a little bit and then consider you and your kids um, as a part of that and knowing what you can handle. And then just remembering overall that curriculum is just one tool in your arsenal and you as the teacher, you as the teacher are the most important component. So if a curriculum is ever promising, just open and go and like, you don't have to do anything. They can completely independently learn. Well, that's just really not how learning works. Learning happens in the context of a relationship and with a mentor. And so like, that's kind of an empty promise. (laughs) Some things are more individual than others and some things are more independent than others, I should say, but you're going to have to be involved. And so don't fall for the promise that you won't have to be. 
Okay. So I think that's it about general curriculum. Remember to go check out my Instagram for a lot more specifics about what we use, maybe some flip throughs, some more, you know, specific reviews, if that's the kind of thing you're looking for. And always feel free to ask me any more specific questions that you want, either in DMs on Instagram or send me an email. Now it's time for a discipline dilemma. All right, this came in just this week from Jennifer, a listener on Instagram. She DM'd me and said, our eight-year-old daughter has been caught lying about senseless things lately and getting in trouble more than usual. She seems to be trying to act older, but also not making the best choices. Thoughts on this age, girls? Okay, first of all, same. So much same. We have a lot of that going on over here. My girls are eight and nine, almost 10 for reference. I would just like to encourage you, and I have to remind myself of this very same thing all the time, that this is so normal for this age. Um, It can be very jarring when you feel like you mostly had an honest, pretty literal kid, and then all of a sudden it's like all of this sneakiness. But I think we have to remember that there is a lot of growing autonomy, and with that just comes realizing that lying is even an option, right? And um, I mean, getting out getting out of something is a big reason that kids lie, avoiding getting into trouble when they know they've made a mistake. Um, and kid logic thinks it will just always work because, well, let's face it, sometimes it does work. And they get to be old enough to realize that, you know, they've told a couple of lies and gotten away with it because we can't possibly catch all of them, right? And so they keep trying it to see if it gets them the desired results. Um, so a few practical things that you can try all with the caveat that they're still going to lie. Like kids lie. We lied. We learned from, you know, those experiences. And so I think that just remembering that baseline of it's normal and they're still going to do it, even if you're completely doing everything right as a parent is helpful. And again, I have so much this going on too at my house and I am I am sending this message to myself as much as you. But a couple of things that I've learned mostly the hard way is number one, to stay calm because um, I know that's annoying to hear, but really the more we get worked up about it, the more it just fuels this like desire to stay out of trouble. And so then they lie more to cover it up and it becomes this vicious cycle. Um, Another thing is don't trap them in a lie. So if you already know they did something that wasn't a good choice, don't try to like trick them into lie, you know, to see if they'll tell the truth about it. I just try to be really upfront. Like I just say what the thing was and I avoid asking like why so much. Like I will just say, let's say, you know, they snuck some food into their room and they weren't supposed to. If I caught them in that, I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say, hey, I know you have crackers in your room and you're not supposed to. So what is our rule about crackers? Because when you get caught in the trap of trying to get them to see if they'll tell the truth, it becomes then about the lie and not about the bad choice, you know? And and then it becomes about defensiveness. And then you're all of a sudden in a court of law where it's pitting you against them and you feel like you have to prove it. And by the way, you can prove it and they'll keep lying because they want to stay out of trouble. So it really just doesn't do any good. It's better to just catch them calmly in the lie, tell them what you know, and then talk about the actual behavior. Remembering too that like sometimes it's just impulsive. I know with one of my girls in particular, it's just her impulse. Like it comes out of her mouth before she even thinks about it. So before I even 
ask her a question or, you know, talk, I, I will say, I'll try to preface it if when I can remember with, I'm going to ask you something or we're going to talk about something and you might not want to tell me the answer because you know I won't like it. But just remember that we're honest with each other in this house and that lying always makes it worse. So I'm like giving her a minute, <laughs> calling it out that, hey, you might want to lie about this. Stop and think about it. Or the times I forget to preface like that, when I know a lie just came flying out of their mouth, I would say, hmm, that doesn't sound like the truth to me. So I'm going to give you another chance to try again. And I would like more honesty this time. And I think it's so hard because you really have to bring it back to not being super punitive about it and it being more about like, we're just honest with each other in this house. So I just say that a lot. And I say, you know, when when they have lied and it's become an issue, the consequence is always less severe for not lying and for just telling the truth the first time. Um, and I say, we may still, you know, there still may be a consequence for the choice that you made, but then that's a smaller problem. And if you lie, you're turning it into a bigger problem. So let's just deal with it when it's a smaller problem. Um, it's hard. It's so hard. It's very... A lot of people, like myself included, I feel very triggered by being lied to because I think of myself as a very honest, direct person. You may be able to tell, like I try to shoot it straight. I try to tell it like it is. And so it's hard to remember that in their little brains, they're not there yet. And so it's not as big of a disrespect as like an adult lying to you all the time, but it feels like that in your bones and I get it. So try to stay calm. Don't try to trap them in a lie. Um, remember that it's normal and then focusing on, we are honest with each other in this house. And I, I will say things like, you know, the problem is when you don't tell me the truth about things, I don't trust you or I, I'm that, that doesn't help build trust. And I want to be able to trust you to have more privileges and responsibilities. So just know that that's what ends up happening, you know, and just being honest with them about that. I hope that's helpful. <laughs> okay, that is it for this episode. Again, check out more details on curriculum over on Instagram. I am at Lad Erica. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and, the, and your support of the show over the last few weeks has just been awesome. Please keep those reviews coming. Um, go review on, on whatever podcast app you listen to. And let's just continue this chat over on Instagram. Um, you can find all kinds of videos on curriculum, all the things over there. Find the show notes for this episode with links to anything I mentioned in your podcast player. And I'd also love to hear from you personally. Just send me an email at hellohomeschoolhood at gmail.com. Until next time, remember you are your child's first and most important teacher and you've got this. 